Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So guys, thank you so much for all the amazing feedback for the podcast from Coach's Corners, from the ones with Jane, from the ones with myself and Dallas, for the solo episodes that have gone out as well, for all the amazing guests that have come on and the feedback on those, the, the messages that are coming in are it's frightening and the amount of people that are coming on and the and the, the, the caliber of the guests is all possible because yourself and in particular, I think that the episode with Jordan Syed seemed to blow up and the one with um, Steve's weight loss as well uh, kind of blew up and hit a home for a lot of people. But uh, so there's a lot of, to- there's three main topics on today's episode and they're kind of coming in from clients and generally where clients are the, the goals that keep on giving, which is in relation to the content. And they're talking about kind of co- dealing with comments from others. And there was one comment in particular, which one of my clients kind of sent me and she was like, that's a podcast topic. Uh, and she'll know straight away who she is when she listens to this. Do you need to be in a surplus to build muscle? I think we did kind of hit home on this on a previous episode. I think it was very early on, maybe Coach's Corner one or two. I think we did hit home on it a little bit. And then the anxiety about things opening up. I think a lot of people are, are kind of a little bit anxious that they potentially aren't been on a diet or kind of in a fitness buzz for quite a while, that they are going to, they're, they're afraid of what's going to happen. They've got anxiety kind of building up in them. Um, so we're going to kind of talk about little tips and stuff and little tools and stuff that we have for that. So Senior Dallas, how are we, sir? Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Just like your hair. Oh, the phone's going on, huh? The phone's, yeah, all he needs is his leather jacket. Um, so the thing that we're going to start off with first is in relation to deal with kind of comments from other people in particular this comment that kind of came in was in relation to how so, so how someone appeared and i think the context for this was that someone was like oh uh this person is small or this person is skinny or whatever it may be mm-hmm. and i think from my own, I think we both have previous experiences of this uh, with comments from being at a certain either body composition or at being at a certain weight. How have you coped with that yourself when people make comments about yourself and how have you worked it with clients and stuff as well? Because it is a common thing. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I've only brought in over the last, I would say, year-ish. Um, and the reason for that is so I don't react to things. Because often you, you're going to come to a point where it's you take the words as personal. You take this upon an attack upon yourself. You, you see it in a situation or perceive it as an attack. You base it on some of your own internal beliefs on how you see yourself. You're like, I'm a big person. I'm strong. So if someone looks at me in a point of light from their perception that I'm small or I'm weak, it's automatically attack on myself. So instead of reacting to that and realizing that it is not an attack on myself, it is just their perception, it's their thoughts, it's their ideas, and it doesn't say anything about me, it allows me to step back and go, okay, what occurred? What did they say? Why does it mean so much to me if they said that? And then work upon from that aspect. And it's bringing that that whole thought process to it that I need to step back, slow down, and not realize that it is not attack on me. It's just their own understanding of how things are. But I went, that's how I like to deal with it because it brings that whole aspect that I have a belief about myself that I like to be strong. So I went, if something of that is challenged or questioned, it automatically gives me an issue now, right? So that means that I either 
ensure that I fix it by telling myself I am strong, I am whatever it needs to be, or I need to accept that the information that I'm getting is not congruent with my core belief. So it's accepting that part and moving on from it. But you can also take it from a point of view where realize that whatever people say, they're naturally going to say these things and you don't have to take everything on board and just move on with life and get over it. But it's not very conducive to most people's lives. I do think that a lot of people will always make a comment on something that they're not completely comfortable with themselves. So if that person is struggling with how they look and how they feel about how they look, they will be quicker to make a an objection or a comment about how that person looks. I do think that I think the for this person in particular, this person in particular has come from uh, from having dieted for quite a long time in relation from yo-yo dieting. Mm-hmm. And that has psychological factors as well which we won't kind of go into but in relation to now the mindset is well I want to be fit and strong and rather than being skinny is the skinny narrative changing in fitness or do you still think it's there Rant. still there 100% there like all you've done is sub- subjugated or should I say subjugate you've changed one ideal for a different different one that's all you've done and the, the, but that's identity that is ideals that is the way of life i'm like you're changing your own perceptions so that things are no longer a problem it's like if you went back and go like no i have to be skinny and the fact that the person told you you look skinny that now it's congruent with your identity the fact that your identity is changed to encompass i want to be strong i want to be fit i want to be explosive on the field I'm like, that means anything that's not a part of it is now obviously going to give you an issue. So it's like, it's not that things are bad or, or such, or things are completely changed. It's just you're taking your identity, changed it to encompass something else, and now you work through that lens, and that's perfectly fine. There are going to be negatives and positives to, to both actions, whether you are still skinny or not. But it's like, yeah, identity change. That's all that's happened. How do you, like, the kind of comments and stuff that you were getting, was it that you were looking too lean, too stocky, too skinny, too whatever? Why are you getting so big? Why is your chest so big? I'm like, because I love my chest being big, thank you. (laughs) I'm a man. The the way I like to see it, like, in terms of it, it was like, oh, you're getting too big. I don't like you getting too big. Or it's, like when you start dieting down, it's like, oh, but where's the rest of your muscle? You know, it's uh, coming on this and you go, okay, you're projecting stuff onto me here. I don't need your negativity. Go get lost, please. It was like, I'm doing things because I want to do the things that I want to do. They make me enjoy my life. I do training because I've got a vanity match. You know, so it's like you have to deal with some of these aspects and you're naturally going to get them. Every single day for some people, and for some people, it's going to be something that you're not often getting. And it's realizing that each person's going to have a slightly different mechanism. And but majority of time, like as you were pointing out, people are going to push their ideals, their perceptions onto you. Now, you by all means, like in terms of myself, it's just accepting that, yeah, my chest has grown. 
Is that a good thing? Yes. Someone pointed out my chest is big. Hell well, thank you. That is a good thing. It means what I'm doing is is actually doing what I want it to do. You know, and when people are then going, well, where's your muscle? It's like, well, okay, now it's like, yes, I could do everything right and still lose muscle. It's now understanding that I can either accept what they have and cause issues upon myself. I can justify it away. Or you can just go like, it's there. It's not me. I don't have to partake in this. And not partaking in that is going to be the biggest, biggest struggle you can do. Absolutely ridiculous. Do you feel under pressure to look a certain way as a PT? Yes, in the beginning. No, to the more I started enjoying just training and being me. And what was the tipping point? Like, what what point did it kind of go? Like, was there a click? It was like, hang on. When I started realizing that I trained because I got a vanity metric, and that was the funny thing. When I accepted the vanity in that, like, I like training because when I look at myself in the mirror, I go like, hot damn. And for anyone who's listening to this going like, really, Neve will 100% um, agree that any time I walk past the mirror, I have to take a look at myself. I'm like, damn. And I went, that's how I do things. It's part of me. So in the beginning, it was, I need to work hard. I need to push. I need to do all these things because I need to look like I'm training 24-7. I need to have freaking like Alliance made look like The Rock when he was playing Hercules, like body goals. But then it came to the point that it's you're pushing yourself down a position that ends up creating so much stress, so much pain on your life. And then I remember one day just looking at the mirror and I'm like, oh, I hate training. I hate doing all this. I don't want to do this anymore. And then you get that moment of clicking where you're like, I love training because I like the way I look and the way it makes me feel. So I'm like, who cares what all these other people think? Why should I have to be part of ideals for the norm? And then training just became a beautiful thing for me to do. It is like, you go into gym? Yeah. You want to do a workout at home? Cool. Want to do some cardio? Cool. It's benefiting me in the long run, but it's playing into how I see things. Instead of, I don't have to be a certain way for the industry. I don't have to have massive delts with massive biceps. But a stepping away from that takes time. It also needs, you need a tipping point. I went, and that's the big thing. You need, a, you need to either be pushed by somebody or you need to be pushed enough by whatever ideal has been pushed on you before you finally kick back and go, no, it's not for me. And do you think if you hadn't got the negative comments that you've had, would you be where you are now? No. I've always, like, it, I can, we can use the same scenario for uh, you and myself both getting um, sick. Like, yep. I'm good <laughs> at that. I'm good at that. <laughs> It's a, it's a funny thing. It's a prerequisite to a lot of mental change and physical change comes from some trauma in some aspect. Now, um, what I'm saying is not everyone has to go through trauma to see change. Of Trauma is also like there's two spectrums of trauma. So exactly. it's going to be very, very drastic with grief and stuff or else there's going to be some little bump in the road. Exactly. So it, it's coming to that part and realizing that for a lot of people, traumatic experiences create quite a physiological and psychological change and then gives a whole new perspective like from for myself it's before like i came out of hospital my mentality around the world is like yeah cool let's try do whatever i can you know very optimistic in a sense as well but also like typical being a teenager you know just reckless 
you know, not caring about like uh, social um, people in my life, you know, like I'm going to say something, I'm going to say something. Now I've kept obviously some of that, but an aspect after um, being obviously out of the hospital, the whole mentality around life changed. It's the understanding that death is there and that it's possible at any point in time changes the way you see things. So that means that some of the interactions that I would have with friends completely changed. I was more willing to have a hard conversation with friends that um, after being sick than I was before, because it's like, I want you to be in a good position, but I also don't want, you know, most of my life not having these interactions that feel a bit uncomfortable, you know, because you get to know a person deeper when you talk about some of the struggles of life, you know, I don't want to be robbed of these points in time. So it's like the mental aspect from that changed also how I see things where it's, I'm forever on a path towards death. Why would I spend all my time not looking to do things either more efficiently, make things that make me happy or give me like, fruition from life you know really excel from life you know spend the time with the people you love the most so it's like there's always change in my thing i'm always looking to do more i'm always looking to grasp more because of that change an aspect of going right at any moment death can death can truly come knocking at my door so that means i should live in a position or live in a way that minimizes those opportunities for death to arrive but also maximizes my return in the things that i hold dear so it's like that point in time, yes, has changed. So it's like the aspect of the comments has definitely then changed not only how I see and perceive myself, but also changed me as a person, as a whole. That was a long rant down. <laughs> Memory lane. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. It's yeah, like therapy for Dallas. It's weird me not just talking about my therapy when getting psychoanalyzed by Dallas. <laughs> So let's just talk about let's like analyze Dallas a little bit more. Let's have uh, some fun. Let, yeah, let, like all, all the clients will be like, let's get Dallas to talk. <laughs> um, but I think like I think what you've said there about kind of having that low point for both of us um has makes you realize that there is kind of like a brighter side to where you want to go. Um and I do think it is important to live the values you want to live by because people will always make a comment. People will always say something, but you also have to realize that hurt people hurt people. That someone with insecurities will always try to push those insecurities onto you. So say if so, let's say if a relative or your mom or your dad or your cousin or your pet goldfish will tell you, should you be eating that? Should you be uh, doing all that training? Should you go on effort walk? Should you be doing that? That's not easy to hear, especially when it's from a parent because the connection between um a parent and their kids is quite special mm-hmm. and if you're feeling you're getting judged by a parent in particular it can be quite hard to hear mm-hmm. but you also have to realize if that parent is potentially struggling with their own weight they're pushing their insecurity on top of you they're not doing it from a point of uh maliciousness they're doing it out of a point of potential insecurity with their own physique and own body. And it's something to be kind of like, they don't have to change what they are saying to you. We have to alter our reaction to what they say. Yep. And because they, they shouldn't have to change. They are at a point now where they're kind of like potentially in their fifties or sixties or seventies. And when you get to about 60 years of age, you stop really caring what other people think. 
Yeah. Uh, like if you were to look at my dad, my dad really doesn't give a shit what people think. <laughs> yeah, you've been on the planet for long enough. You're like, I'm going to be this way. Who cares? I don't need change anymore. Yeah, but you spend like your first 20 years caring what other people think. You get to 40, you're like, well, then you kind of loosens up a little bit. In six, you really don't give a shit. Uh, and I think it's important to say, like, if you want to do something and you actually want to do it and it's not something, some societal norm being pushed on top of you, then you will get to where you want to go. Yep. But I also do believe that people are do, are do a lot of things for the wrong reason. They think I need to be doing this to be accepted by other people to have this social network. You have the people around you right now that you want and that are there for you right now. Yeah, you've, you've directly chose that. Like you've taken this path, like accept it. I think it's a hard, like a length and a half. It's just you have choices every single day and you can boil it down to you have simply two choices, you know, one little zeros, taking a binary option. The, the aspect is everything that you've got today like if you look back, it's a straight path. You don't have that ability to make any choices in the past to change anything. But from today onwards, you have your two branches that can branch in any way and continuously carry on going. It's like, if you're not happy, make a different choice. If you're not happy, you're, 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 uh, you're not a tree, you can move. Exactly. You have to, like even people think about the tree. If the tree knows that there's water somewhere, right? It goes, right, I can sense there's water close enough to me. I need to get a root close enough to there. So it needs to go there. And that's how it does it. If at any point in time, something gets in its way, it goes, right, I have a choice. I can bifurcate and create two little new branches here or two new little roots so they can go out around this obstacle, or I can just stop at this obstacle. And have a pity party and die. (laughs) It's like, You've got a choice here. It's like you can base a lot of your decisions if you want on survival and uh, kinship in terms of like, you know, getting your genes into the next generation. But if you look at it based on survival, a lot of things you're going to take are not going to make you happy in a sense. But if you look at how you're going to do it in terms of what do I need to survive? What do I need for values and happiness? You can now make better choices. That's not going to stop you from making ill choices but it's going to give you a better path than just whimsically just making a choice in, la- in like in the last second. And that comes down to like decision-making techniques. Like you kind of want to make a decision either first thing when you've got a little bit of information and just run with it. Like it often can pay out, but you've got to understand the risk to reward ratio. Or you want to wait for as much time as you can to get all the information before you make a choice. Making a choice in between those two really doesn't pan out for people. It's where it's, I know a little bit of information. I know not enough about what could potentially happen, but I'm still going to make the choice. And then people get that kind of feeling of, crap, why did I make the choice? I think a lot of people, I think you have to make some sort of choice because a lot of people will never make a choice. They'll never, they'll never get off the couch. They'll never do something. They'll always be like, oh, it has to be a perfect time. But there's never going to be a perfect time. There has to be some action alongside it. And if something does, it's like a sat-nav. If you're going, if you're using a sat-nav and you go kind of left and you're meant to go right, you still have to go left and kind of make a, a detour to get to your destination. It's the exact same thing. You're better off trying to do something and start in the car. Yeah. And if you, and and driving it in any direction. It doesn't matter if you're going in reverse into the back of a wall or whatever, but you'll probably learn more from reversing back into the wall oh. and probably be a little bit more cautious in the way you, on the approach that you differently take. And that's the, what I'm comparing that to is crash dieting. Yeah. 
Uh, because that seems to be the bit that everyone kind of goes back to is like, oh, I put on a lot of weight, so let's just crash diet and try to, without having to get to the deep root of why I do things or why I'm actually trying to trying to actually properly change. They like the idea of change, but when it comes to it, they're afraid to dig down a little bit deeper. And that uncomfortableness is what stops a lot of people from doing and stopping them from what they actually want to become and the people that they want to become. But I also don't think a lot of people know what they want to become because they've been kind of like sauntering along for a long time. It's an interesting one because um, Lisa Feldman Barrett, she's got a beautiful book for anyone who is in there. Even the audio book is brilliant on how emotions are made. Absolutely beautiful, right? Um, but she was talking about the one aspect in terms of when we as kids learning about emotions, we often have our parents go, hey, look, you're sad. Or this is the doggy, you know, doggy's happy, right? And it goes through these things, giving us labels and going through it in that sense, right? That that extends to later in life. We've been given a lot of those information about what we want, like you can be this, you can be that. And we take that into later in life. It's still going like, what do I actually want? You know, when have you sat down and like pushed away all those annoying thoughts about mortgage, the kids, you know, surviving and just gone, right, clear your mind and go, what do I want to do? Where does my journey end? Where do I want to go along this? But we take a lot of that in the beginning of, you know, what our parents would say, you could be an astronaut, you know, you could be this, you could be that, or some of our friends going, yeah, you're great at this. And then you just naturally use all the, some of that information to come up with a approximation of what you want to do for your life and then go down that one. And then 20, 30 years later, you're like, man, that's not what I wanted for my life. But you never sat down there and go, right, I've got a choice to make here. What can I, what choices can I make? I think a lot of people are realizing that right now as well, is that they potentially had the wrong ladder against the wrong wall for quite a while. And I did, I I, I had I had a different career for for a good while. But uh, but as, you, as we spoke about, I had to have that uncomfortableness with getting sick in order to move yeah because i wouldn't have done it i wouldn't have moved otherwise and i was in that career because it was what oh this is what a job is meant to look like this sort of career is meant to look like this is what i'm meant to have this corporate job where it's going to be steady income all like this it wasn't it wasn't like filling me up with happiness and i'm not sure i'm not saying i don't honestly don't believe there's a whole thing of like do something that you do and you enjoy every day obviously these days when I don't want to work. There's obviously days that are shit and they don't go to plan. But at the same time, I have to adapt. Yeah. We were talking off air about stuff. Oh, yeah. But like, even like, uh, like I know Seth Godin calls it. He goes like, oh, do something that you love every day and you never work a day in your life. Right. Yeah. And like, they're like, yeah. And Seth goes, yeah, it's called a hobby. He's yeah. like, because if you do something you love every single day, you never work a day in your life. He's like, because you're not doing something that actually creates something. He goes, people, blur the lines between this and i went and that's the beauty of it it's you've got to understand there are going to be ups there's going to be downs the river will flow one direction and another direction but it's also you need to have a general guiding understanding of where you're going and what you're doing and as you said like covid has allowed this to happen for people allowed you to think a little bit more about this the, the issue is we as a society push norms upon everybody we go this is how you should function if you're a man and this is how you should function if you're a woman and these are the certain jobs you should focus on and that's what you need to look at and the time you're 65 you have a pension you know you need to have gone to university and all these things 
But you, you never sit down and ask them, like, why are we accepting these norms? Why are we doing these things? Is we need Where do those norms come from? Like, yeah. they don't they don't grow on trees. Like, they, they come from somewhere. And I think we just accept them. It's like, like oh, you're meant to be married before 30. You're meant to be like retired at 65 or whatever but i think now like the retirement age is being pushed back now because there's not enough money in the economy and there's yeah, not enough pensions to pensions. think about it like if you're at 65 and you're still can walk upstairs and you can still pick up things do you really want to get told yeah you can't do anything anymore oh like if my head's play, if my head's playing ball that's the biggest thing if my head's still playing ball i i will probably work like exactly i'm like we see 80 year olds in the gym deadlifting more than 20 year olds but you sure you've seen that lady, the was she the eighty year old lady? Yeah. Um, like did the fitness shoot and she was in the shape of her life. Like age is just a number. Um it's it's us that puts the limit on it. Oh yeah. That's uh, beliefs, isn't it? Different rant. <laughs> uh but I do, like i do think that like comments comments sometimes are flippant as well from people. And I think mm-hmm. that person may not even think about that comment that they've said ever again but we also choose to latch on to those comments if someone comes calls you a purple monkey dishwasher you're out you're gonna be like what the hell are you talking about but if someone calls you a purple uh, someone says something about your appearance you will have that you may have that insecurity and you may latch on to that but that person who has said it may never think about it again so you also have to look at the deep root cause and saying why is that affecting you why is that impacting your mood is it your value of self-worth is it the value of your appearance is it you're comparing yourself to others are you looking at social media are you looking at the media and being being perceived or so-called perceiving that you need to look a certain way to be happy because i guarantee what happens for an awful lot of kind of like people in the fitness industry is they realize that they're probably at the most miserable when they're at their leanest because they probably starve themselves which is what they tell their clients not to do but they do it for aesthetics they do it for advertising because unfortunately six packs big glutes big quads that sells yep and I think we need to try and move that away from us. I don't think it's going to get, I don't think it's going to move away anytime soon anyway. No. And unfortunately people are like with the TikTok generation, with now the Instagram generation, with the kids coming, coming through now, I think it's probably going to get more rife. And that's why there's a lot more eating disorders, body dysmorphia kind of coming through in male and females mm. coming through more and more and more. And a lot of people are struggling with actually accepting how do I want to look? Oh yeah. Like, for instance, put it this way, the other day I saw a picture of an under-16 rugby team, right? And I'm like, I remember when I was playing and everything, you know, um, for instance, so it had 15 men in the in the picture and every single one of them was ripped. And I was like, sorry, what? 16-year-olds ripped, jacked, massive quads, massive chests, massive delts. And I'm like holy moses here's me remembering back when i was 16 year old and i'm like you would have one lad one lad who was in you would consider great nick you know and it's just how society has changed in that in terms of like you need to be you need to be massive you need full men you know you need to have like these delts popping out you need to have these quads you need to have six pack and everything and you're like what are these kids doing you're teenagers these are some of your best times in life where you can enjoy food you know and burn it off without even have to worry about it it's like you've got all this and they're spending the time going crazy in the gym making sure they're dieting making sure that they look a certain way so they can play a sport and it's like but 
What about playing the sport? What about the enjoyment of the sport? And I just looked and I was like, it's insane. And like, this is what we're perpetuating. Each year we're accepting this going, yes, that's how it should be. And then you go and like, why do we struggle? Yeah, it, 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 it is. Because even, I also think like Ireland's a little bit behind. I think like Australia is way ahead. America's way ahead in like the fitness realm. And I remember being in school and I went to a rugby school and an Australian team came over on tour and they're the same age as us. And they, they came in the school at Swimmingville and we just finished PE and they were kind of coming in. You're like all six for five, six for six ripped to absolute shreds. And you're like, right. I'm going to be like putting my uniform on my head, but like they're a little bit ahead of us. And then you've got Americans are a little bit ahead of us as well. England are catching up, but Ireland is a little bit behind, but we're, we're watching because we've more access to, shows from america australia england all that kind of stuff we're watching those people the likes of love island is kind of coming back on television soon and that's where a lot of people's body insecurities can come from as well because oh we have to look like that person we have to look like that person but why do we have to look like that person why can't people try to look like what they want to look like why can't they you also don't know who's watching you because your body goes to someone else that's that's a big thing your body goes to someone else it's we take one simple word from somebody or a sentence and we catastrophize it we take it we burn it we keep it in as a way of helping us in the future if you want to think about it it's a memory learned in terms of survival that if i just did what that person complained about or criticized about my chances of survival will increase. So it means, oh, I have better chance of finding some love. I have better chance of, you know, landing a higher job if, you know, I was six foot four or had, you know, amazing ass. It's, we use this and then we blow it out and then go, right, this is why I'm going to keep it on, you know? And then you're like realizing like, this is detrimental, not only to your own physical well-being, but your own psychological well-being. But, there's nothing different from what they are doing compared to what you are doing. The only difference is that they're putting a little bit more action into place. Yes, have down days. Yes, they they just believe in themselves a little bit more and they push themselves out a little bit more mentally to say, right, I am showing up for me today. What can I do for myself today? There's nothing special that a lot of people do. The only difference is they show up that little bit more rather than potentially having that pity part of that victim mentality that a lot of people can adopt. I have been there. So that's why I can talk about it. I have been there. But once you identify what the actual party is about and the theme of that party, yeah. life becomes a hell of a lot easier because you've recognized that shit time at, at a low point. If you look at most people's success stories, say that like Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, you don't see, if you read the book, you'll understand the shit times he had to go through, the amount of hustle, the amount of hassle, the deals that fell through that he had to go through to see this empire you see now. If you look at Michael Jordan documentary, you see the amount of shit that he had to deal with, but also the inner turmoil that he had as well, creating these stories about different games. You also look at The Rock. The Rock came from a very uh, low-income family, and now he's one of the, the, the biggest names in, in Hollywood in the world right now. And biggest lad in the industry. I was going to say... <laughs> He's a, he's a big dude. Uh, bald goals. Um, <laughs> that's a thing now. That's what I'm going to call this episode, bald goals. Uh, but I do think we don't realize, we don't see the buildup. It's like the tree analogy is, again, we only see the surface of the tree. We don't see the roots that kind of get to the root causes yeah. of things. We don't see the unsexy stuff and the actual stuff that builds up to that tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
And that like sums up so beautifully. It's um you meant okay, so we'll go we'll go on to the next question, which is you spoke about kind of like the the muscle building and stuff. And I know you I think you've spoken, I think you've spoken about it before. It's very hard to keep up with how many episodes are out there. Um I've lost count, I'm not gonna lie. Um in relation to do you need to be in a surplus to build muscle? So I think this is really, really important because I mean, there's a couple of factors that kind of can come in is that for lads in particular is that I think we think that we need to continuously be on a bulk in order to grow, but we may not have the body fat percentage or the body composition, should I say, in order to have that at a sweet point. Yeah. So like start off nice and simple for like, this applies to both genders and non-genders. Um, you want to lower your overall body fat percentage or your overall amount of fat on your body so that you're in a more of a sensitive position for growing muscle, right? And what we mean sensitive means that in the beginning, you want the, the scale, I'm not saying actual weighing scale, but the scale to tip towards more growth of muscle than more growth of fat, right? And that's why you end up getting um, a little bit leaner to start your growth phase because you don't want to start at a position where you've got a little bit on you or more than you would like and then start because each increment you start going starts pushing your psychological stress up bit by bit by bit. And this is the biggest key. It's not that it truly does prime because from the studies there's marginal difference from someone doing it at 11% body fat from taking a lad to someone doing it at 22% body fat. Very marginal changes in the amount of muscle built. And it's coming down to psychological aspects because if you start at 22 and you finish up at 33, you're probably going to quit before you get close to even 30% body fat because psychologically you can't cope with how you are looking. There are some out there and it has been done multiple amount of times where they will go out and do it because it's the greater good or the greater purpose that they want from it. So in general, you want to diet down. When you're dieting, you can build muscle up into what? Roughly about a 40% deficit, if I remember from the Longlet et al. study. So what was that, 2010, if I'm correct? Um, so you can still maintain it because remember, muscle building is a signaling process. So as long as you're providing a decent, and I mean a decent uh, stimulus from whatever it may be, so whether you're in the gym or at home or whatever you type of training you're doing, provided you're giving it a sufficient stimulus, you will see growth. The way to look at it is that if you are going to be in a deficit, maintenance or surplus, you're going to be building more in each category. So look at it as the deficit giving you the least amount of muscle, but still possibility for it. Maintenance giving you ever so more and then the surplus giving you your full potential. And that's the way to look at it. So you don't have to be in a ridiculous surplus to build muscle, but it is advised. And you don't have to stay in a surplus all the time either. And I think that's going to be a big thing here. It's, once again, a signaling process. If you can build muscle in all three, you want to put yourself for a sufficient time in a surplus, pull back to maintenance so that way you can feel good about eating a little bit less, go on for a bit of a diet, still pushing, and then you go, right, I'm ready again. So all you're doing is manipulating the psychological aspect here. I do. Yeah. No, I like I, it is a hard psychological thing because I know at the minute I'm trying to put my weight back up. 
And it is it is a hard part. And people were like, oh, poor you, trying to put your weight back up. I'm not looking for the empathy. Um, if you heard the amount of calories I'm on, it's I find it very hard to hit those calories. Genuinely, it's very hard. Um, but I, it, it is a psychological thing because as soon as you start to put on that little bit more body fat, it's kind of like... Do I want this? Do I really, really want this? Am I doing this for me? Am I doing this for everything else? It's those kind of days start to come in. And I know I was having that kind of moment during the check-in this week mm-hmm. with my coach. And it was kind of like, well, I don't want I don't want to go back to where I was in looking kind of like frail, which is what what I looked. And when I lose weight, I lose it quite quickly. And then people say, Oh, poor you. I lose it quite quickly because I tend to, when I get stressed, I tend not to eat. So my glycogen stores go down really, really low, really, really quickly. And then as soon as I start to eat in a in kind of a, a, a kind of a, a normalized way, I hate the word normal, um, but in kind of back to where I was before and I'm starting doing my resistance training again, my glycogen stores come back up quite quickly. And that's why there was an initial bump up in the weight. Now it's going to be the mental tough bit for myself. Um, but it also is like, right, I'm going to push. I know now after having a chat, it's like, right, we're going to agree to like potentially look at it in six, eight, 10, 12 weeks and have those two week intervals and saying, right, maybe after 10 weeks, then we kind of go on a mini, but I'm also post-surgery. So I can't really go on a deficit. Yeah. And that was, I think that you kind of stemming on the thing here. It's like people don't realize that they consider the diet, the hard part. (laughs) I'm like, you you're not playing with psychological issues in the same way as you are when you see a pound like a pound a kilogram of fat go on your body so it's like the easy way to do it is like for a person who steps on the scale and see the number freak out and they go oh my god that is the same thing that occurs when you start eating more food i don't even mind about the scales my thing is like it's my clothes oh yeah like you feel a bit of a muffin top you get that you're like love handle you're like I could pinch here if I really wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Then you have to, then this is the thing. It's a renewed purpose, but I have a true understanding of what the end goal is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the difference because I was like, oh, like, I've seen what I can do when I pushed it really hard with the weight and what the weight gained. I have that photo from when I was over in Thailand. That was when I was at my heaviest muscle-wise. Mm. And I want to get back to that because I felt comfortable at that. Mm. Uh, and I probably lost sight of that. I had lost sight of what I wanted to do because I focused on elsewhere. I valued other stuff ahead of it. And that's okay too, that I have to say, right, put that, my own training on pause for a little bit to focus on this. And now it's kind of like, well, this is at this point. So now I want to focus back on my own training. And that's okay too for people. I don't think people realize that you can take breaks off things. It doesn't have to be hustle, 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 go, go, go all the time. Amen to that. I would definitely say for people listening, like if you want to make your life easier, do things in phases when it comes to training. It's going to be the easiest thing you can do. Have dedicated times where you're going to, I'm going to push the amount of muscle mass I'm going to accrue, which is a good thing, including for women. Um, and then you go through points where you go, right, now that I've accrued some tissue, let's maintain this and let's work on different things. And each time you can break your year into phases that work on specific modalities that enhance not only you as a person, but it has your capability within your chosen domain. So that means in terms of myself, when the gym's open, my cardio we brought back from a sense of running to conditioning within the gym and working on actually doing more types of CrossFit workouts. So it's something that it's, I don't currently have the skill, but it's something I will develop during that time. And then when the gyms, if they close, <laughs> I can go back 
to the next phase, which is right. Now I can start working on slow tempo at home with the weights I do have. Then I can focus on doing a different form of cardio and I can focus on more habits based around nutrition. So if you can take everything in the year and phase block it to certain steps that you want to do, certain aspects, you can make so much change within a year and you don't even realize it because you're simply breaking down into manageable chunks with a dedicated goal and that dedicated goal will keep your purpose. Bingo, bango, bosh. Uh, so talking about the gyms opening back up, there's also the anxiety around people with things opening back up full stop with more social life, more trips away, hopefully. So I think EP has just been announced. Yeah. That's, that's back on. Sure, I saw the Brits were on and there was people indoors uh, at, the, at it. Mm. They're all NHS workers, which is amazing to see. Uh, that that was all indoors in the O2 in, in London and they had their first indoor event. So things are opening back up slowly but surely. But I think a lot of people, because they'd be potentially, if you were reclusive before lockdowns and you've become reclusive, more reclusive during this, there's going to be anxiety anyway built up. Mm. If you are someone who is a social butterfly before this and then you've kind of gone the other way, kind of gone introvert. It is, it is a struggle because you're not sure, like, should you be doing things? How could, how can you see people? How can you meet people? How can you go on dates? All this kind of stuff. But the other side of things is with the, with more abundance, because potentially you haven't been going out in the place, potentially you haven't been seeing mates, you haven't been going out for dinners. How do you manage those? How to manage your, if you've been say, been in the best shape of your life because you've taken this opportunity to actually reevaluate things. You've actually taken a big deep breath and say, what I actually want to do and put that self first. How, what way are you managing it with your clients in relation to managing expectations? What way are you bringing their stuff with their training and their food? And what way are you working with their mindset about kind of things opening back up? Um, so we'll tackle mindset first in the sense that it's, depending on the person um, and how they feel about it, it's more of an aspect of if you're a person who likes control, plan it. Pretty simple. If you bring in that control in the sense of, right, I'm going to meet a person X at this time and I'm going to be here, so you can control everything up until that point. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to make sure vaccines are on point. I'm going to make sure I'm only meeting one person over a period of two weeks minimize my contact you can plan it out that way you could also come in from the mindset aspect of bringing in more breathing meditation in terms of it like we say for many things but actually recognizing your abc so antecedents your behavior and consequences so the abc method is what has come before right what is the behavior that's triggered and what is the consequence of this and all you are trying to recognize is why are you feeling the anxiety occurring around a certain area so meeting up with somebody so all you're trying to do in that sense is going right what is the behavior i'm feeling anxiety coming from meeting a person and what is the consequence if i don't do it and what are the consequences if i do do it this allows you as a person to start creating a plan to deal with it or you could be like what i like to do is just get over it which I like telling a lot of people at times. It's like you give them You're different, little... Alice. You're very different. Oh, oh, in I know. That you I know. compartmentalize things. I was so really much better. Get... So when you do the get over it, it pushes a person to often think about things or not. It depends on the person. So for myself, it's a point of 
if I truly want to socialize and I truly want to see people that I haven't seen in a very long time, there is no time for me to sit here pondering all aspects of what could or could possibly not happen. So it's like get on with life. And that relates back to earlier when we were talking about in terms of my view of I'm ever increasing closer to death. So that's the get over aspect. For most people, comes back to the point of you need to deal with the anxiety and understand why the anxiety is truly coming. Once you know that and what are the areas, you can actually focus on them. So it's like one person's anxiety could be the fact that they're unsure of what the person has been doing for the past three months or even for the past week. So then you go, right, that anxiety means then have a conversation with the person going, right, I'm feeling this way meeting up with you. It's been a while. Just tell me, have you met anyone else? And the person can go, no, good. Your anxiety can now lower. So then you're like, no, cool. I haven't met anyone in a week. I'm perfectly okay. Where another person's anxiety is, I don't know what to do in a social interaction anymore. And then this is where you can build upon and create a plan. So you go, right, can you start talking to someone over, say, Zoom? So that way you're a little bit ready for that interaction. And then you can start making it. Make small bouts of interaction with other people. Food-wise, it's learning how to bring everything together. And that means having the habits that you've put in place while you've been in lockdown and letting them truly shine, focusing on certain aspects, but also realizing that if you want to enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself. You don't have to stick to a diet. If there is, if you, if you want to go out and eat all the beautiful cheesecake, love cheesecake, go out and do it. You have that ability. So it's like also don't put yourself into a box and then create more anxiety and more stress for you when you can simply just go, I'm going to enjoy myself and that's okay. But I'm going to undo my, I'm going to undo all my work tasks. Oh yeah. Like are you going to be eating 20,000 calories in one day? <laughs> Lord. Possible. <laughs> it's definitely not. My calories are nowhere near that. Oh, but but oh. that's, they're the thoughts that kind of come into people's heads. It's like, but I've been doing this. If things are open and back up this, and you've been dieting, you shouldn't be dieting forever anyway. Dieting means short term. So, but if you have been dieting for a good bit and you've lost a good bit of weight, now could be the ample opportunity for you to bring in moderation and what I mean, sorry, not moderation, but uh, maintenance phase. Yeah, what, moderation. Moderation. <laughs> what's moderation? Um, but most people are like, well, what's, what, what's maintenance? Fa- maintenance isn't sexy. I'm like, maintenance is the sexiest thing you can do for yourself. Oh, God, yeah in that you are bringing your calories up a little bit more. But what if I put on weight? But what if you put on weight? Yeah. It's not your goal. Your goal isn't weight loss anymore. Your goal is to try and have the life that you haven't potentially wanted for the last little while. What's more important to you? What it says in the scales are being able to see your mates. Yeah. If your answer, what? Scales. That's what's important. Well, then, fuck off. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Honestly, people, it, it's... You've got to get this. You can't be in a diet forever and you can't use your diet to control your life. Period. No. If the diet is controlling your life, you need to go and talk to someone. Amen. Like, get you, out and of I it. think that's where a lot of people struggle. It's like, well, dieting, and when people start like, oh, I want to eat like a normal person. No one's normal. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is normal? Normal is like my, head, my hairline. It doesn't exist. Looking great. Uh, 
but I think when, when people say, "Oh, I, but I, I put on weight," but if you put on weight, what have you and what have you taken from the experience? You've got to see people. You've potentially got to see your family or your nephews or your godsons or whatever it may be. You've got to see people you haven't seen in ages. You're potentially going to actually enjoy the experience. Oh, you had a takeaway. Well, that's one meal out of the week. Oh, I've had two takeaways. That's two meals out of the week. One meal only counts for less than 5% of a whole. If you base your diet on, say, three three solid meals a day or whatever it may be, and you've one meal that's less nutritious, that's only less, that's less than 5% of your total daily, total weekly meals, 5%. And you're letting that 5% stopping you from being, going to where you want to go because you're trying to be perfect. You're trying to control everything. And much like my hairline, perfection doesn't exist. You can't control everything. Cool story, bro. Move on. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah, exactly. Listen to Elsa. She knows what she's talking about. Let it go. How dare you ruin my let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it, it's difficult. I'm not trying, we're not trying to downplay what the anxiety that people are feeling. That's the one thing. I know sometimes when people, I've we, sometimes we get the odd messages like, Shane, you're too sarcastic about things. You're too forthright with things and stuff. I get that. But I've been through that shit. And I'm kind of like, when you look back and you come out the other side of it, is you come out like lo- laughing at the idea ideologies in your mind. You come, at, come out looking at the ideologies that you created in your head rather than trying to question them. Oh, yeah. But like, but but with it, we're talking a lot about this, especially recently. You know, you you need to be able to understand what's occurring. You need to understand where your behaviors are coming. You need to understand why you get anxiety for certain things, and it's stepping away from the whole thing that everything provides me anxiety, or everything is a problem, or that's a problem, or that um, affects my self worth and everything. It, it it's understanding that there's more to this and meeting people that you haven't seen for a very long time is largely greater than a potential to increase a bit of weight. Like, come on now. Yeah, and I do think we also have to look into, with the gyms opening back up, that people may go hell for leather as well. It's like, oh, I'm scared of the gym. So I got one of the gyms open the last time. That was my first time ever in the gym in the first place. Or I hadn't been in the gym in ages and that was my first time. I was shit scared. Dallin and Amanda from Recalibrated Body spoke about it. I think it's episode one, three, four, I think it is. They spoke about how to approach kind of going with your training. Start off like two days full body, three days full body. If you've been training through eight, your body will still be a little bit sore. Don't go out six times a week. Book in your sessions. Then I actually genuinely think the new booking in system oh. is so much better. It gets you to kick yourself up the arse and say, right, I'm going at whatever time of the day it is. It books it in because most people are like, oh, I'm just going to go. Or they say, oh, I'm not going to go. But this get, this actually puts something in, in writing and makes you, like you may not go still, don't get me wrong, but it still puts it more concrete that you have to go onto online. You actually have to book in your session, like booking in a class. Mm-hmm. and most people won't even book in stuff into their lives that they actually want to do you have your social life booked but you don't have your own life booked wow. you're living off everyone else's time scale and then you're people pleasing everyone else and I, there was the episode on uh, episode 174 is uh, on people pleasing so please do listen to that if you're one of those people because i think there's a lot of people who are like that and i was one for a very long time uh and it's 25 minutes of rants um full-on rants um but i do think with the gyms opening back up ease back in 
Do not go six times a week. Do not go five times a week. Do not go four times a week. Max three. Full body workouts, 50, 60% of workload that you probably potentially were doing before. Do not go, do not be that person who puts on the squat belt and tries to go for one one rep max. Do not do it. You're man, look at me. You know, like, oh boy, here we go. Oh, here's his back gone. Oh, there he's lying on the floor. <laughs> Snap city. Whoop, whoop. Don't be that person. No. Do Put not you, leave your ego at the door. That's that's it. Like remove it and if you're if classes and you're and you're one of those people that's going back to classes with boot camps but open it back up don't be that person that goes to six in a week or five in a week ease back in with two or three you're walking probably like it's a great way to meet up with friends as well that could be your meeting up with people and having maybe a chill out in the park afterwards but don't be that person that runs himself into the ground with that moderation is the key to what you need to do ask yourself can you stick to that for one year can you stick to that for five years and more often than not the answer will be no yeah and don't use it as a way to make up for lost time no and fitness should not be a punishment for what you have potentially done over lockdown fitness shouldn't be a punishment for what you want to do anyway fitness shouldn't be a punishment for the way you're feeling about yourself fitness shouldn't be a punishment for where you see yourself fitness should, fitness should be a way to some form of meditation fitness is a stressor on the body it shouldn't be abused and it shouldn't be a way of seeing the calorie count on a bloody watch. That fucking watch. Oh, there is, oh, it's like, no, just no. Stop using the fucking watch as a way to burn calories. You don't burn as many calories as you fucking think. Oh, it's, so it's like, if you look at a, a burning calories as a chocolate bar, right? And that's your total daily calories. It's a full chocolate bar. Only about five to ten percent is that is how many burn calories through exercise. The rest of it's through digestion, through eating, through movement, through going to the bathroom. Loads of different factors. People don't realize we don't burn as many as you think. The watch may say. If so I look at my watch now, it's technically said I burn fifteen hundred calories. I have in my arse burn fifteen hundred calories. You've got that. Well, what do I have? My garments can tell me. I have burnt a thousand six hundred. Yeah, exactly. So we're yeah. both like, I definitely haven't burned 1,500 calories. I've walked and I've trained already today. Yeah. I, unless I, I've probably burned 1,450 from this rant. Um. <laughs> there's, a, there's an interesting thing. 20% of your body's energy consumption comes from keeping your brain alive. So if you yeah. truly want to be building, uh, like burning calories, get that brain in some Be sound to your brain. Yeah, like, come on. Get like, some sleep. Push. Oh, don't even start on sleep here. Oh, oh Tom Coleman's coming on. Tom Coleman's on sleep. Uh, one episode one seven nine will be Tom Coleman. Okay. So that that's that's going to help, and it's going to talk about phones in the room. It's going to talk about blue lights. It's going to talk about if you wake up in the middle of the night, what to do. I think it's really going to help people uh, on that episode. But I think the comments from others, muscles and surplus and anxiety and things. If We've gone off on tangents and we've irritated anyone. I sincerely apologize. But I also think that we've been at the point for ourselves in that we've been at those low points. And I think we're both at the point now where it's kind of like, it's just funny looking back. And we don't want this to be downplayed. And we know people are struggling right now. And that's not what our intention is to be. Our, Our intention isn't to downplay what other people are feeling right now and how the anxiety they're feeling right now. But it's also up to your, if, if you've been triggered by what we've, something we have said, please DM us. Please do DM us. That would be a good idea, actually. 
please do DM us and let us know if something in that has triggered you or if something in this episode has hit home for you and what we have said or if something has landed. The more people, the more DMs and the more shares, all that kind of stuff, we know what this is the content you want to hear. If it's not what you want to hear, please let us know as well. I'm open to the criticism. If there's episodes like comparing yourself or we've got an episode on binge eating coming out, we've got loads of different episodes, or if there's a particular topic that you want us to talk about, please do let us know. Because I can I can talk about hormones all day if you guys want me to. Mm-hmm. But, great. but some of my long-term clients have asked for more mindset episodes. Yeah. So they've asked for it, so they will get it. Yeah. Uh, it's recognizing between the thing. It's also, if something's triggering you, why is it triggering you? And like, we'll come back to ABC method here. Like, what, what created the trigger? What was the behavior? What was the consequence? What's the root? Yeah. So you can use a lot of these things, but it also, it's, we say a lot of these things because not only have we been through it, but some of the things that we've gone through and picked up over time allows people to not only understand themselves better, but also find a way to look at themselves in a different light so that they can push themselves to a different region and kind of see success in whatever you're trying to do. It's like some of the mental models we talk about can be applied across everything. And that's the beauty about mental models. I think I think we have hit the nail on the head. So, guys, if you've enjoyed the episode at all, please do tag us up in your story. As I said, if you've been triggered by anything or if there's something that's hit home for you or you would disagree with something that we've said, please do pop us a message. Uh, please do leave a review up on iTunes. Dallas, thank you again for, for coming on. As always, it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you very much, guys.